0: take your Bible and turn back into the book of Ephesians chapter number four, Ephesians number four. And last week we used the 15th verse really as a place to pivot and we'll do that again this week. There is so much for you in Ephesians chapter four, but in the 15th verse there is a thought here and really it has sparked much of what we studied last week together and this week it also... Seems to be where the Lord has our heart. The 15th verse of Ephesians 4 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. But speaking the truth in love. The key that I'm after there, what God has really just driven in my heart is the truth in love. The truth is so important. The truth is vital to existence. The truth is sitting in your lap. If you have a copy of the God's Word in your lap, if you have a copy of the Bible, you have the truth, the inerrant, infallible truth in your hands. Culture will tell you that there is no real truth, no real right, and no real wrong, that all truth is subjective and it has to do with one's perspective and worldview As fun as that may be to say out loud, and as politically correct as that may be in a maddening uh, 2023 in the world that we're living in, that just simply is not true. There is a right, there is a wrong, there is the truth, and then there is a lie. The truth is vital. It's so important. We talked about this last week, and specifically we talked about three lies that were being told to our friends and our family we talked about the quality of godly friendship being that of one who speaks the truth in love but does it in a way that honors the friendship. In other words, just because I know when you're wrong does not mean that I get to have a crowbar in my hands and beat you upside the head with it. The truth in love is communicated in just that way. It's done in love. It's done with the well-being of the friend in mind. I want my friends to know what the truth is, I want my family to know what the truth is. I don't want anybody making a decision, operating in some sort of false idea about what life is, or making decisions based on bad intel. The truth is vital, the truth is so important. And we exposed those three lies last week by simply revealing truth. It's the best way to do that. Uh, It's one thing to say that's a lie. It's another thing to say that's a lie and here is the truth. Replace the lie with the good news of the truth. All truth is good news. It is wonderful to live in the truth, to know the truth. And if you know Jesus today according to his own words, then you know him as the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know the truth if you know Jesus. Those three uh, lies that we exposed last week, number one, that God is irrelevant. Number two, that life doesn't matter. And number three, that there is no hope. Again, those are all lies, but not just because Winston said so and not because of Baptist ideology, but because the word of God proves it to be so. All life is precious to God. All life was created by God. Life is important to God and God, he is actually the author of life. He breathed into the nostrils of Adam and created life. Life is important to God. And because of who God is and what God is and the character of God, he will always and has always been relevant. That is the truth and the fact that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. And that he is seated at the right hand of the Father in complete control today, there is always hope. So, three lies expo- exposed by the truth. Now, this week, I want us to get even more personal. And I want us to be very honest with ourselves about what we believe, what we truly believe. And listen to the words coming out of my mouth not what we say we believe. Not what we put in our hashtags and our bios on social media about what we believe, but what we actually believe in the depths of our heart. What do you believe? And and another way to look at this is what is your perspective of life? What does your worldview actually look like? Uh, There are a lot of saved people who live their life. And when I say saved people, I mean saved people who live their life underneath the barrier of broken expectations and they truly have a misguided understanding of what life is supposed to be on this side of heaven. But that's dangerous because if our perspective on life is off, it can make us unstable. If our understanding isn't correct, our expectations for life will be unrealistic. The life of a believer is to be that of a level-headed, well-rounded, mature, spiritual being who takes everything in life and processes everything that comes at them. We take all of the data points of life, the good, the bad, the ugly, from top to bottom, everything that comes in. The well-rounded, mature, spiritual being called the Christian is to take all of that in, everything that life is, And at their conclusion, when they process all of the data and all of the information before them, even the tough stuff, they come to this conclusion in their maturity, in their level-headedness, and in their well-roundedness. They come to the conclusion that God is perfect, that God is just, that God is righteous, and that he does all things well. They take everything in life, they put it down into the barrier of who God is and what comes out is nothing more than God is and all is well. God is and I can live. God is and I can just relax and understand that he is in control. But the battle, yet again, as it was last week, is human emotions. This is so much easier said than done. So much easier preached than actually lived. We asked the question last week, who or what is doing the lying? Who's the liar? Remember that thing we used to say as a kid, liar, liar, pants on fire? So last week we talked about those three lies, the lies that are being told to your friends, and we answered that by saying that the world will lie to you, culture will lie to you. Politics in our country have become asinine, full of liars, full of deceit. You'll watch politicians actually say the lie so many times that they will believe it themselves eventually. Uh, the the mark of a statesman is one who's willing to say the truth even when it's not convenient for his political base. That's disappearing, and the ones that do, we're we're not voting for them uh, because we don't care enough to go and do it. But but the political system in our country is run rampant with deceit with lies. It's our culture, unfortunately. We talk about Satan, that he would lie, the father of lies. You go back to Genesis 3, you look at the subtle serpent in the garden, and it all began the fall of Adam and Eve with the lie that Satan spoke to Eve, the father of lies. But the lies that we're exposing today can really be blamed on one person more than any. It's me. It's me. It's my flesh. It's the human heart. Your flesh, your heart, your emotion as a human being, according to the prophet Jeremiah, your heart is so at its core willing to lie to even yourself that you'll believe a lie that comes from your own emotion. Your flesh will lie to you. So, understand today that I am my biggest problem. I am the one entity. I am the one corporation that will keep me from being exactly what God wants me to be and for for, uh, forming the perspective that God wants me to have. The biggest obstacle is me. Liar, liar, pants on fire. It's me, it's my flesh. And so who will lie to you? You can answer that by looking in the mirror. And in hours of discussion and countless calls and emails and texts and meetings, I have truly deduced that there are a lot of people who are saved and claim to be believers. And they're unhappy. They're unsatisfied. They're upset. They're unhinged. And sadly, because of that, they're unavailable for the work of Christ. And because they're upset and they're unhinged and they're unsatisfied, they're not able to participate in the unification of the body of Christ because they are neck deep in their false dichotomy that has created a perspective that is not reality. And if these lies are not addressed and then readdressed, and quite often we find ourselves as human beings, even saved people in an unpleasant position. And so I wanna take the word of God and again, use it to expose three lies, but these are three lies that are being told to me. Three lies that are being told to me. Let's pray. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, for just a few moments, we pray that you would hide us behind the cross. God, give us the words to say. Lord, if there's something you want me to say, I pray that I'd say it. God, if there's something you don't want me to say, keep it out of my mouth. Lord, use me as your vessel, as your servant to preach what you've put in my heart. And Lord, I pray that you would do something for every heart that's here. Give us liberty now. In the name of Christ our Savior, we pray. Amen and amen. Lie number one. Lie number one that today we'll expose with the truth of God's word. Lie number one is that life is about what I want. Lie number one that life is about what I want. You see, we have to remind ourselves of this first and primarily because it is the anchor for the rest of life. You have to start by realizing that your goal for life, your purpose for life, your chief end of life is not what you want. Your goal, your purpose, your chief end, the reason that we exist is to glorify God in all that we say and all that we do and all that we are. Uh, the reason I exist today is not to preach big sermons to a lot of people. The reason I exist today is to not to pastor a Baptist church. The reason I exist today is not even to be the husband of the most beautiful woman God ever made on planet Earth, Miranda Parish. My goal, my purpose, the reason I have air in my lungs and, 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 and blood in my veins comes down to one thing. It's to bring glory to God. That is the reason I'm here. And and when we get that off of its tracks and we start to uh, veer off of our understanding and perspective of why we are here in the first place, then everything else in life cannot be right. If you don't understand at the beginning, at the onset of all of this, that the reason you're here is to bring glory to God, then you'll never understand the rest of your life and purpose. And there'll never be true satisfaction until you come to the conclusion that you're here for one purpose, and that's to bring glory to God. If you don't believe that life is not about you, then it's obvious you don't understand the actual reason you're here in the first place. It's like being sent on a mission and not knowing what the mission is. Your goal, your purpose is to bring glory to God. You say, Pastor, it's to be a mother. Yes, be a mother. But at the end of the day, the chief end, the purpose of your life is to bring glory to God. Yes, be the father. Yes, be the husband. Yes, be the breadwinner. Yes, be all the things that God has called you to be and called you to do. But at the end of the day, your chief purpose, the goal of your life, the purpose of your being is to bring glory to God. To bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, there's a powerful verse here. It says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, The key there is the word to. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Not just for him, not just the reason you're doing it, but actually do it in the action of giving it to him. You say, Pastor, how is this possible that all that I do, all that I say whatsoever I am, how do I do that to the glory of God? Spirit filled people live a life that is surrendered to the perfect will of God for their life. And yes, you can be on your back porch smoking baby back ribs, keeping them absolutely perfect, love it on your family, having a great time, and do it to the glory of God. God thank you for the money to be able to buy the food. You gave it to me. God thank you for my family and this home, and the Grill that I've got and the baby back ribs that you gave me. You say that's silly. No, the Bible says, whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drinker, or whatsoever you do, do it to the glory of God. Every bit of you is to be offered to the glory of God. If I put everything, all that I am, and whatsoever I do, then what is left? If if I'm giving him all that I am and and everything that I do is to his glory, then what's left? This is John 3.30 lived out. This is the decrease and decrease and decrease of me and the increase of him in my life. So if life isn't about me, then how can it be about what I want? It's not. In fact, it's all about him and what he wants. You see, it's going to get quiet t- today. This is not easy. This isn't easy. This, this, is, this is what's going to go up against the grain of who you are as a person. This is what's going to come up against your humanity. This is what's going to come up against everything that you want and everything that you desire. And it's just going to obliterate it. It's going to destroy it. And this is the stuff that if we're not careful, our human flesh will respond to this like this. Well, I ain't listening to that preacher no more. Boy, he stepped on my toes today. Boy, that's salt in the wound. That's like lime down in the cuticle. No, that's the Holy Ghost of God revealing to you that your flesh truly is flesh. This is not an easy experience we're talking about here. We're talking about an all-consuming purpose for our lives. Everything that we are comes down to this one thing, to bring God glory, not what I want. It's not about me. Oh, no. That's devastating for some people. It's devastating for me. You mean this isn't about me? This isn't about what I want, my hopes, my dreams, my desires. No, it's about what he wants. You see, Jesus Christ is Lord. If you believe that, say amen. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord. And and you see, his lordship has a high demand on his subjects. His lordship has a requirement of his people. And that requirement, according to the word of God, to whom much is given, much is required. He wants all of you. He doesn't want you to have a Sunday you and a Monday you. He wants you to be you all the time for his glory. Life's not about me. Mark 12 verse 30. These are the words of our Lord and Savior. These aren't my words. These are the words of Jesus Who is Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And then Jesus qualifies what he says, and he says, this is the first commandment. A commandment is a command. It's a rule to follow. It's an expectation of the king. It is not an option. There is no such thing as fence riding Christianity. You are either living for God, living out the will of God for your life, or you are living in direct disobedience of the will of God for your life. Now that's not popular in 2023. That's not a popular message that draws hundreds of thousands of people, but it is the truth of God's word. And if I am living my life in the false idea that life is about me as a Christian, I'm missing the whole point of my salvation. I'm missing the whole point of my life here on earth. Life is not about me. It's about him. He said with all. And what Jesus is repeating here recorded in Mark chapter 12, it's actually a verse from the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of our bible it's genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy and the original hebrew title for deuteronomy is devarim so what jesus is quoting here is of the devarim which means the things or the words things for you to live by, words for you to live by. You can also translate Deuteronomy as the second law given to the Jews, given to the Hebrews. And what he's quoting here, what Jesus is saying is from Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four and five. Let me read you what Jesus is speaking in Mark chapter number 12. You'll find it in Deuteronomy six. And it starts with this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. What he's repeating is something that was prayed by Jews even to this day. Uh, this prayer is part of every morning and every evening. Pay attention to this and this will bless you. Uh, the name of the prayer is called the Shema Israel. Shema Israel. Say it with me now. Shema Israel. And, and every morning starts for the Jew with this prayer. And every evening ends for the Jew with this prayer out of Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse number 4 and 5. In Hebrew, it sounds like this. The Jew takes his hand and he covers his eyes and he reads the prayer from his prayer book. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad et Adonai meodeka, and that what that is is the prayer of Deuteronomy chapter number six, verse four and verse five. You say, why does that matter to me? Because this is the prayer that Jesus would have prayed every day. This is what your Jewish rabbi, your master, your savior, your Lord, this is what he prayed every single day of his life. And the first word, young men, of that prayer, Shema, What does Shema mean? Why does Shema matter to me? A born again believer, Shema has many meanings. It means to listen with your ear, but it also means to pay attention. But if you go into the old Hebrew and you look for the word, if you go to the dictionary and you try to find a word in Aramaic for obey, you will find the same word, Shema. So Shema not only means to listen and Shema not only means to hear and Shema doesn't only mean to pay attention to, but it means to hear it. And to do it all in one action. Immediate obedience to the will of God. And if Jesus Christ, who was perfect and sinless and holy and righteous, had to live under the Shema Israel, then what do you think we should do in our lives? We should pray every day. I want to give him all that I have with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my might. I want to live for God because it is the purpose of my life. Jesus, in his actions, in his ministry, he did it all to the glory of the Father. When he was in Bethany and he called Lazarus out of the grave, he said that the Jews that were there, the unbelieving Jews, would believe because Jesus had called out Lazarus, not in his own name, but in the name of the Father. So if Jesus had to live his life giving glory to God, then what do you think is required of us? Shema Israel Adonai. Eloheinu, Adonai, Ekat. Hear me, listen to me, and obey me. So how can it be about me? It can't. It can't be about me. It's all about him. There's peace and comfort having purpose for your life. A lot of people are searching and they're looking and, and they're trying to find something that fits them. And they're warring up against all these options for what life can be. When at the end of the day, the greatest purpose anybody can have in life is to live for Jesus and to give him glory in everything. And whatsoever you do, life's not about me. It's about him. Lie exposed, truth revealed. It's about him and bringing him glory. The second lie that we're going to expose today that's being told to me, that once I'm saved life will be easy. Can I get a witness? That once I'm saved, life will be easy. Give me just a moment here to run this rabbit trail and then come right back to the truth of God's word for just a moment. If you find somebody, listen, especially my generation, most of these gray-haired saints of God, they've got a barometer and a thermometer and their spiritual aptitude is so deep uh, you couldn't fake it around them if your life depended on it. They know what's real and they know what's not. But if you're searching and you're looking for listen to pe- people to listen to preach or movements to follow or YouTube channels to follow or Facebook or, or Instagram people to listen to, listen to me now. If you hear somebody out of the Word of Faith movement Listen, this ain't popular. But if you hear somebody out of the Word of Faith movement say something like this. "Uh, We believe you, Jesus, and we know that because we believe, everything in our lives will be perfect. Uh, We'll never be sick because you are a healer. Uh, We'll never have to go to the doctor again because you are a great physician. Would you please, for the love of all that is holy, block the channel and move on to somebody else? It's heresy. It's heresy. Some of the most godly people I know have to go get prescriptions filled twice a week. They have to go to dialysis centers. They have to go to cancer centers. And for them to even hear that heresy, I think God will judge those people that say that. Life is not going to be easy just because you follow Jesus. And I've seen this and I've heard this, and maybe not so blatantly, but even in my own internal dialogue... Listen, I've caught myself saying this before. Okay, Lord, I've surrendered. Uh, It's not about me, it's about you. My ear is open, my heart is set. My will is surrendered. Now, you're gonna pay me back with doing this for me. Now, God, I didn't miss a service last month. God, you saw how much I put on that tithe check. Now, now Lord, we got a deal. You're going to set this up. You're going to fix it. That's not reality. He said, I want all of you. We don't get to put strings and attach them to our worship and treat God like he's Pinocchio. We surrender to his will and his way in his timing, and it's just that. It is you completely surrendering to his will and his way and his timing. And it's no guarantee that life will be a day at the beach or a bed of roses. It's a lie. You see, I love going to the word of God. This is where we have to really draw the line in the sand for our life is the word of God. Don't take my word for it. Take Jesus' word for it. What did Jesus say about your realm of reality and the expectations that you can have as a believer for your life? If you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, and you're not ashamed of it, say amen. Okay. Okay. Here is the realm of expectation for what Jesus said. Not Winston, not Pastor Ralph, not the Baptist ideology. This is what Jesus, the Son of God, this is what he said about people who want to follow him, seek after him, and be disciples of him. It's in Luke 9, 23. And Jesus said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up the heavy wooden beam. Put it on your back and follow me. Where, where is the comfort? Where, where's the promise, Brady, of an easy day? Uh, Larry, wh- show me, please. Uh, how, where do we find that God has guaranteed that in our salvation we'll never have a hard day? Brother Jerry Payne sat here on the front row this morning at 8 o'clock, a champion of our church, a champion of the faith, with tears coming down his face and a hand raised towards heaven. Joy in his heart and peace that passeth all understanding. He's lived a difficult life. Things have not gone the way he thought they would go. Things that he planned and that he thought were secure and safe have all gone away. And yet, he loves the Lord He prays every day. He reads his Bible. He's faithful to God. Yet, life is tough. Picking up the cross and following Jesus requires a willingness to obey his commandments. It requires a willingness to serve one another humbly. Esteeming your brother or your sister in Christ above even yourself. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. You see, deeper knowledge and a deeper intimacy with Christ is acquired by a partnership and a deep communion of suffering with the Savior. And the hope that every believer shares is that when they suffer with the Savior, the Savior has already suffered so much more so than any suffering you'll ever know. That is the comfort, that is the peace, is that Christ as the sufferer is also the champion and more than the conqueror imparted to you, the believer, to overcome the suffering through Christ. It's not going to be easy to seek after Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to live in the continual pursuit of a life for Christ in 2023. It's not. We're getting so real here and so raw and transparent today in all of this. But if you think that this life as a Christian in this country, in this day, in this hour, is going to be easy, your perspective is not set, dear brother, dear sister. It's off. There's a battle, there's a war, it's raging for men and women and for souls and for families and even for churches. And the truth is, Jesus said, pick up your cross, get in the war, The splinters will go into your back and your shoulder, you'll get tired and get weary, but know that I have already suffered enough for all of us. Find rest and peace in what I've accomplished. Find rest and peace in what I've done and cast yourself at my feet and suffer with me for the sake of the gospel. You see, followers of Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he gave us a direction, he gave us a command and it was for us to go. Go. Go into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts and tell them, baptizing them in my name, there is a job to do. And the job is to suffer with the Savior. You say, Pastor, you're not being reasonable. I've got a family. I've got babies. I've got a job. I've got things I have to do. I, that's this, this is too deep of religion for me. Number one, it's not religion we're talking about. Amen. Number two, okay, fine. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of God. And what it says, Romans 12:1 is the greatest thing I can offer you. This is my rebuttal to the be reasonable. Here it is. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Those are saved people, men and women. Again, let's try this again. If you're saved and on your way to heaven and you're not ashamed, say amen. amen. Great. Praise the Lord. This is for you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, not the preacher's body, not the Sunday school teacher's body. Not the top tither and giver. Not the money man. But your body. Mom, dad, uncle, grandma, grandpa, media volunteer, usher, choir member. Your body. But present it how? As a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. And here is the qualifier. Which is your reasonable Service. If you want to be reasonable as a Christian, then be a sacrifice every day, giving God all glory and all honor. Just because I'm saved does not mean that I'll live this perfect, harmonious life where there is perfection and bliss every day. There are tough days. Ralph and Musette Sexton. Our Pastor Emeritus and my grandparents, my late grandmother. If ever I thought there would be somebody that would enjoy the benefit and the blessing of God for the life that they had given. That they would get to grow old together. Have days where it was just the two of them. All the ministry. Do you realize our Pastor Emeritus, when he held his massive crusade in Washington, D.C. in 1986... On the mall there in Washington, D.C., right next to the Washington Monument, he put up his big old gospel tent and had a service. And on the mall, you couldn't take up an offering. Churches couldn't give to help support the meeting there at the mall. And God had so put this in his heart, he knew that the tent needed to go up. He knew that God wanted to do something for our country, for our nation. And for 90 nights straight... He preached all across this country, raising the money, inviting people to come to Washington, D.C. This is, this is before internet. This is before social media. It's word of mouth, newspapers, radios, and television. And for 90 days away from his family, away from the comfort of his bed, and even away from the total acceptance of what he wanted to do for the Lord, there was jealousy. There were hard days. There were foolish people who didn't know what they were squandering. I personally believe, this is my opinion, that a lot of people who got jealous at the wrong time may have squandered the third great awakening of our country. All because of pride. And he gave all that he had. And his testimony to me, Brother Ken, is that there were some nights he would get up to preach and he would have to keep a a washcloth or or a rag close by because he had preached so much and so hard that blood would start pouring from his mouth. Begging God to do something that he couldn't do as a man. Away from his family and away from his house. And you would think that the strings attached to that service, the strings attached to that sacrifice would be that God would allow him to have some time with his dear, precious wife. That they could get into their 70s and their 80s and be together and enjoy vacations together. And he wouldn't mind me saying this. All those those miles he's flown all across the world, all the Delta Sky miles the man has saved, he saved them for one purpose. To be able to pay for a trip. That they never got to take. And I don't understand that. And I don't get it. But I remember the night that she died, wondering if he was gonna come the next morning and stand behind this pulpit. And I watched the Holy Ghost of God flood the breakfast table that April morning on a Sunday. He opened up the window, and outside were some young men who loved him and who were just standing in the yard praying for him. And they started singing, these young preacher boys, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And God's man got his Bible. He got in the truck, and he came and preached on Sunday morning, the day after his precious wife went to heaven. There are some things in this life I'm just not going to understand. But I can say that God has never once let my family down. He's never once let our pastor emeritus down. He's never one time had to get up and feel the absence of the Holy Ghost of God. It's not been easy, but God's been there every single solitary moment. Suffer with your Savior. It is your reasonable service. You see, under the old covenant, God accepted the sacrifices of dead animals. But because of Christ's sacrifice, the blood of animals no longer is needed. So for you as a Christian, the most reasonable thing you can offer is yourself. Sacrifices lay down and everything spills out of them. They, they lay down and then everything spills out. Everything they have, everything they are, everything they want to be, it spills out. And it says, Lord, you do as you please, as you want, in your timing, your way. I belong to you. It's not about what I want, it's not about my comfort, it's about His glory. Lie exposed, truth revealed. And lastly, we'll close with this. Miss Amber, you can come play at the piano and prepare to sing that song. Line number three. If one and two are not true, then there can be little to no joy in life. If life is not about what I want, and if life is not about me being comfortable, then there's no way there'll be any joy. There's no way there could be any true satisfaction. That's so much of myself to give. Where is the joy going to come from? Psalm 118 is a great place to start with this. It says, this is the day which the Lord hath made. Do you realize that every day that's been that God made it? Every single day that has ever been, every time the sun has come up and the moon come up, 12 hours later, the Lord made it. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In what? Not in the fact that it's a tough day. Not in the fact that it's a sorrowful day or a sad day or a day at a hospital or a day at a funeral home. But we will rejoice and be glad in the fact that God is and all is well. That God is on the throne and he's in control if a God with this much power and this much grace and this much love knows how many hairs are on your head and if he knows about the tears that come down your face even in the midnight hour that nobody else knows about, if that's who he is and he loves us enough to be interested in whatever we're doing and he's interested in receiving from us all glory, all honor and praise, then how can we have any other choice but to be happy. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust. trust and obey. Trust and obey. The greatest peace you'll ever have is in the perfect will of God for your life. The greatest joy of your life will be knowing that your eternity is secure and that your footsteps every single day are led By the Holy Spirit of God. There is no greater joy. But the best part is not what's lived here. Are you with me this morning? I said the best part is not what's here. Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That word conversation, if you'll look at the real meaning of that word, it has to do with culture, It has to do with personal identity and it has to do with citizenship. So you can read that verse if you please and say, for our citizenship is in heaven. You don't belong here. You're just a pilgrim passing through. It's like you're on the old wagon train going out west. This ain't the final stop. There is coming a day. Where no more sorrow, no more pain, no more disappointment, no more hard days will finally be realized when we see Jesus face to face. But in the meantime, every day, every hour, every moment, live for Him, for His glory, as a living sacrifice. Lie exposed, truth revealed. Holy Father, in Jesus' name. In the mighty, powerful, capable name of our Lord and Savior, our King, our Sovereign, who reigns over the entire universe, God, we come into your presence. And Lord, we're thankful for who you are and for what you are. Lord, for your precious book that you've given us to love and to cherish. God, that I don't have to live my life guessing, that I don't have to live my life afraid. Fear has no grip on me. Death has no grip on me. And I am in the hand of my Savior this day. Lord, thank you for the truth that you reveal to our hearts. Now, Lord, I pray for people in this room, people that are worshiping online who are being lied to. Lord, would you expose the devil for who he is? God, would you expose the lie that's got them hooked? God, would you do what only you can do? Holy Ghost, I cannot convince anyone here of the truth, but God, you can. And God, you will, and you'll do it in your perfect timing. I pray that you would knock the mud of the world off the people. That you would open the eyes of the one that is blinded in their sin and their disbelief. And that Holy Ghost, you would convict them and draw them and save them for your glory. Do it in your perfect timing. And we'll be faithful to give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor for what you do in this place and in our lives. It's in Jesus' precious, precious Name we pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We've got just a few minutes. Here's the invitation if you're being lied to, come get in this altar and ask God to touch your heart.